Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. Today we're going to be teaching, we're going to be continuing the gifts of the Spirit and our topic for today is Anazul Porio. A-N-A-Z-O-P-U-R-E-O. Anazul Porio. So, we're going to get straight into it. I know it's been a wonderful time so far. I don't even need to ask. So, we're going to go again further today. And, you know, by the grace of God, you're going to be so blessed and your life is going to be changed as a result in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so this is the third part of our teaching series on charisma, the gifts of the Spirit. And we're just going to go on. We ended off last week talking about, you know, the purpose of the gifts in the New Testament church. And from our Bible study, you know, we did a study on First Corinthians. We looked through 1, 2, 3, 4 just briefly. We didn't even go into it. We just spoke a little bit about it. And then we looked at 12, 13, and 14, right? Was that very insightful? All right. So the conclusion we made from 12, 13, and 14 was that the best gift, what Apostle Paul referred to as the greater gifts, are the gifts that are expressed with love at the center. Are you following me? And we concluded that the purpose of the gifts in the New Testament church is what? Someone should help me. Is what? Exhortation. Mm-hmm. Edification. Mm-hmm. And comfort. Love, yes. <laughs> but I put it together at some point. I said exhortation, edification, and comfort of the church. Now, this has to tell you something. We all know that love is at the center of our faith. Love is at the center of our faith. The reason for salvation was love. Scripture clearly tells us, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the reason why that happened, why God had to come for us was because of love. He loved the world. A better rendition is 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, Hereby perceive we the love of God. This is how we know the love of God. I've explained to you that 1 John 3, 16, when it says, For God so loved the world, it was not saying, For God so loved the world. It wasn't like, uh, let me give you a better way to understand it. He wasn't trying to say, talk about the intensity, even though God loves us so much. You know, you can say, you know, he loves you so much. That's talking about intensity. But what he was saying there wasn't even talking about intensity. He was descriptive. He was saying, for God so loved the world. That is, this is how God loves the world. Are you with me? So, that is how God loved the world. How do we know? Because he gave his life. So, the better, you better understand it when you read 1 John chapter 3, verse 6, when it says, Hereby perceive we the love of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is, this is how we know the love of God, that he gave his only begotten son. Is that clear? Alright, so he's saying, this is the manner at which God loved the church. Or the world, rather. That he gave. So, we can understand that the reason for salvation in itself is love. 
is love. And so it would be an irony for us who were born out of love to not know how to function properly in love. And you understand what I'm saying? Like, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a contradiction that you who were born out of love cannot communicate love effectively to your brothers and sisters. Please, are you following me? And this is something you have to make sure that you are checking your heart over. You're checking, you're searching yourself to understand. Some people are not able to think through what I'm talking about. But it's important too. For me, who got saved because someone died for me, it would be a contradiction for me not to be able to show love to other people. You have to think about that. We see an example in Jesus' response to the question of the, of, the great, of, of the great commandment where he answered the question and he called the commandment great. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 25. Everybody open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10 and verse 25. Luke chapter 10 and verse 25. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? So a lawyer stood up and lawyer in Bible days is sort of different from the lawyers you have now. Are you getting what I'm saying? So they had lawyers in Bible days. But the lawyers in Bible days were people who were masters of the law. You know, you can maybe call them scribes. Are you with me? They were masters of the law. I think another another rendition calls him called him a scribe. He's one of the scribes or Pharisees. But lawyers in those days were masters of the law. Are you following me? They spent all their lives studying the law. So Jesus then asked him, What is written in the law? And then he answered in verse 27. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. So now he's quoting from the Lord to Jesus. He's quoting from the Lord to Jesus. He's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 1 to 7. You know, it's not 1 to 7, but to understand it, you can read it from 1 to 7. I'll just read it for, for you to see it. Media team, you can put it on the screen. It says, now this is the commandment. And these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his command and his commandments, which I command you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. In three, now this shows you how important the place this law is about to talk about. It then says, therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. That was why he quoted. Are you here? Are you seeing it now? The Lord our God is one. And then in verse 5, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. It says, and this what I command today shall be in your heart. So, Jesus asked the man, the man acting out would inherit eternal life. Jesus asked him and said, what is written in the law concerning it? And then the guy responded, love the Lord with all your heart. But he went ahead to say what? Love your neighbor. Now let's look at Matthew's account. Matthew chapter 22 verse 34. Matthew's account of the same story. 
Go to Matthew chapter 22 and verse 34. I read. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the Lord? Now, it is phrased differently here. But I've told you many times that the differences in the Synoptic Gospels are not a sign of contradiction, but rather they complement to give you a full story. Is that clear? And so, seeing a difference here does not necessarily mean that this is a contradiction, no. It was a different account recorded from a different person, are you with me, who was trying to record the same story probably from a different perspective. We know that Luke was a journalistic account, right? So, Matthew's account, he says that one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, now, in this approach, in this account, he is saying that it was Jesus that responded, not the guy. And Jesus responded and said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He says, this is the first and great commandment. He says, and the second is like it. So, he wasn't even trying to place any of the commandments ahead of another one in terms of the, being the greatest. But he was talking about the gravity of the commandment. He says, this is the first in rank. And great, how serious it is. And he says, the second is like it. So, treat the second similar to the first. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In verse 4, he says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophet. So, do you understand what you just read? Or what we just read together? The first thing that was stated there when he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's usually what the Jews were very serious about. Are you with me? It's actually it's a part of something they call the Shema, S-H-E-M-A. They recite it twice a day in Jewish culture. Are you with me? So, they would recite those things. But there was a reason why Jesus said the second is like it. He pointed them to the second one. And the importance is because he wanted them to understand that God's idea wasn't just about them following a set of... You know what? Don't let me get ahead of myself. After Jesus responded and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. He says, This is the first commandment. Let's look, let's go back to Luke's account. You will see what I'm talking about now. I don't go ahead of myself. In verse 28 of Luke chapter 10, he responded. The Bible says, He said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you would live. 29 says, But he wanting to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? So listen. The idea was that these guys followed these things judiciously to the best of their knowledge, but Jesus wanted them to understand something different. That it doesn't just end in how you love God and you thinking you've loved your neighbor by the kind of, uh, 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 by the works you do. It goes beyond that. So in the latter parts of Luke, verse 29 says, He wanting to justify himself, he said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Now Jesus says a parable in verse 30. He says, then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him off his clothing and wounded him, and departed him, leaving him out dead. So, a guy was going to Jericho, he fell among thieves, they injured him, they left him out dead. By chance, a certain priest was coming down that road. Are you getting what he's saying now? He's teaching them something. A priest is coming down the road. What did the priest do? 
The priest is supposed to be the intermediary between them and God, right? In the law. And now, the priest sees him and passed by the other side. Verse 32, it says, Likewise a Levite. Who is a Levite? Another high-ranking church officer in the service of the temple. He came and he passed by the other side. Then 33, it says, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. Now, you have to know why it is special that he was a Samaritan that came. Samaritans were people who were not being related to by Jews. Why? Because they were seen as people who intermarried with other religions. So they considered them unclean, with other tribes rather. So they considered them unclean. Are you getting this? So it was almost like Samaritans were a mix of both Gentile and Jews. So they are like, you are unclean. They don't relate with them. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, it's important that he brought in the story to say, a Samaritan walked past. And as he journeyed to where you know, he was, he saw him and he had compassion. So he went with him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I come, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and look and do likewise. By now you should already be getting the point for those of you who follow the story. So what Jesus was trying to do was he was trying to help them understand that it wasn't just about following the practices the way you knew how to follow it. Yes, you kept all the laws. Yes, you loved God with all your heart. But it's also important that you love your neighbor. He says the second is also as great as the first. That's what he was trying to tell them. The second is also as great. That you love your neighbor. Now, who is your neighbor? Not just the person you feel comfortable reaching out to. So what he was trying to help them say is this. Listen, you can't say you love God and you don't love every other person around you. He has to show. The love of God has to translate to the love of the people around you as well. It has to translate to your love for your neighbor. Please, are you following me? It has to translate. John gets it when he says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. He says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. That's what he's saying. Love is of God. If you love, then we know you are born of God. Verse 8. He who does not love does not know God. Wow. For God is love. 9. It says, In this the love of God was manifest towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In verse 10 it says, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son. To be propitiation for it says in verse 11 beloved if god so loved us we ought what to love one another can you read 11 together everybody unmute your mics wherever you are and read 11 together everybody wants to go beloved if god so loved us we also ought to love one another so love for god has to translate 
into love for your neighbors. Are you following me? I take that again. Love for God has to translate into what? Love for your neighbors. In verse 20 of that same chapter, in 1 John 4, it says, If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. Are you seeing this? He's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Are you seeing that? So, this is this is this has some depth in it. Because you've not seen God, you claim to love God. Then you see an object of his creation, someone he calls son, who he says is a part of your family. If you cannot show love to those people, then you don't understand love. That's deep. Are you following? That's deep. He says, and this commandment we have from him, that he who loves must love his brother also. Wow. What a mindset. What a mindset. That the commandment to love God with all your heart is equivalent to the commandment to love your neighbor as well. Wow. That was what Jesus was showing them. Are you following me? Look at the Pauline prayers. And someone might be like, I thought we were talking about fire. Why are we starting with love? It's important that you learn some things. It's important. We ended on a very good note last week. But I need to expound a little bit for you to understand. Look at the Pauline prayers. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. You all know it. You recite it. You know it by heart. It says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith, in the Lord Jesus and your love for all saints, he says, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer, that what? That God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, I know whenever we read this text, we emphasize wisdom and revelation by the spirit. But this time, I want you to pay attention to something, you know, very important. He says, after I heard of your faith, he's talking to a, a whole church, the church in Ephesus. I've heard of your faith. So you are growing, bro. You're growing. He says, I've heard of your faith. But he did not only hear about their faith. What else did he hear about? He heard about their love for all the saints. Please, are you following? He did not only hear about their growth. He also heard about their love for all the saints. If that wasn't enough, maybe it was a coincidence. Go to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae. Now, to a church in Colossae, it says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, We, thank, we give thanks to God our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying for you always. He says, since we have heard of what? Can you read that part, everybody? Since we have heard of what? Your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints. So what did they hear about? Their faith. But what else did they hear about? Their love. Please, is this making sense? Every time you see believers grow in God, the most discernible thing you learn about them is that they have love for the saints. 
It must be true about any local community of God, any New Testament church. He has written to two churches now. He says, I've seen your growth. But the second thing is that what? I've heard of your love for the saints. It must be that there is a strong welfare program that is running in every good local assembly. Are you following me? There must be a strong... When I say welfare program, some of you are thinking of having a welfare department. I'm talking about the whole church being the welfare of the church. It's just like a Catholic community. We don't have prayer group. All of us are the prayer group. All of us are the welfare too. Are you following me? He said, ever since I heard of your faith, faith always followed by love. Philemon chapter 1. This, when something is repeated once, twice in the Bible, it means you should not ignore it. I've taught you that before. Philemon chapter 1 verse 4. The, the, the best part about all these texts I read to you is that they are texts about revelation knowledge as well. So as you gain revelation knowledge, what must follow is love for the saints. That's are you following it? Philemon 1 verse 4. It says, I thank my God, making mention of you in my prayers. Verse 5. It says, hearing of your love and faith which you have towards the Lord Jesus Christ and towards what? All the saints. So now he's writing to a brother, a beloved brother, a co-laborer. But the reputation of that guy is also that as he's growing, he's also growing in love towards the people. So he wrote to two churches and one individual. And we saw clearly that their faith in Christ Jesus was always followed by love to all the saints. So one way you know we know that you are getting it right is that we must be able to discern the report of your assembly must be that those guys they love for that place so do you understand what I'm saying? Like, their love is so strong. I don't know how they do it. Like, they just love each other. Like, that's how we know that you're actually growing. It's important. As you grow in God, you have to grow in love. Did you hear that? As you grow in God, you have to grow in love. Very important. One of the earliest things that changed my life and my ability to function in the things of the Spirit, I've told you many, many, many times, is an onset realization that if someone died for me and forgave all my sins, then why won't I be able to do the same for others? It changed my life. I pondered on it. So, so you know, I think nowadays we've forgotten the essence and importance of meditating on scriptures. Just sitting on a text and pondering on it, letting it sink. Some people will use the term ruminating, just, you know, similar to animals who, who, who have like different, you know, stomach systems and they bring back the food that they've eaten before and they chew cut. It means that even though you've received it, you bring it back to properly feed on it. Listen, this onset, you know, realization, it changed something in me. It made me realize that I'll be a hypocrite if I'm not able to forgive other people when Jesus forgave me. You have to think of stuff like that. It has to be a deep realization. It changed my... I'm, listen, the kind of sacrifice I can give to anybody here is because I've clearly understood that someone did it for me. And I didn't even know I needed it before he did it. 
I didn't ask for it. The more I understood God's love is the more I understood I had to do the same. So the deeper I learned of the love of God, the deeper I learned how to love other people. If Jesus forgave me and did it before I knew I even needed forgiveness, then I must have a heart that is forgiving already even before people offend me. Are you following? So if Jesus, if God loved recklessly, then I must love recklessly as well. That is, even when it doesn't make any sense, I would love. What I'm saying is important. You know, one of the biggest surprises of some of my friends, one day, I'm a very strict person when it comes to the things of God. So people can find, find it very hard to work with me. Some of you can relate. You know, but if you just get, just always ask me the questions, I'll clarify, right? But some people might find it very hard with me. I don't think I'm hard to work with, actually. I just think I like things being, when it comes to the things of God, I like things being done excellently. You know, so there were two people then I was discipling. You know, then I don't even started Catalyst or anything. I was still in Babcock University. I was discipling them. But it wasn't actively then, especially when you're friends with people. They don't learn to recognize the graces of God on your life. So all of us still call ourselves friends, but I was actually discipling them. You know, and there was an important meeting and I had just said something that nobody wanted to hear. I had to be honest with them. That we can't have, I think we're going to have a big program in school then and I used to plan most of the programs that we had that were gospel programs in school. And so someone called me to be a part of the team because he knew I was always doing that. But I said something to them. I think they wanted to bring some ministers. And I'm like, we cannot just bring random ministers. <laughs> we have to be sure what God wants to do. You know, and be sure who God will have us bring as well. And so I think because I had sort of disagreed in the meeting. They were excited about the whole force of the program. So, there was supposed to be a meeting. And, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to come late for this meeting and stuff. So, I stayed back in church and then they started going. All of a sudden, like, I used to, I mean, there are just weird times I just do weird things, especially when I'm led by the Spirit. These people just told me, stand up and start going. So, they thought I was still in church and I just stood up, boom. I think I was with Steph then, Stephen Adeni. So I just told him, I said, Stephen, let's go. So we started walking. Started walking. We were walking, walking, walking. By the time we walked, we caught up with them, but they didn't know where they are back. Now, these guys had slandered me. Like, it's like, they see me here. See chopboard, see knife. They caught me to pieces. Bah, 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 bah. Hey! What did they not see? If it's his program now, he will be all this thing. Maybe he's even jealous that they're having program and he's not the one that... Like, for people I call friends. So, it was... I think it was very heartbroken. Like, it was very heartbreaking because there were people I considered friends. Very good friends. And so I just stopped. You know, <laughs> people said to me, like, go to school. So I just stopped the one that I was talking on the channel. I was like, things are not always the way you perceive them. I just walked away. And so, they froze. They couldn't talk. They almost entered into the floor. And I just walked away. I went for the meeting. I did everything I wanted to do. I couldn't sleep that night. For the first time in a long time, I couldn't sleep. Honestly, I couldn't sleep. Because my heart was very heavy. I was pained. You know when something... Has it happened to you before? It's like they put hand in your chest and they are squeezing your chest. I don't know how it happens, but you will feel the muscles in your chest pressing. I literally felt that. It was, it was painful. I'm not going to lie to you. It was. And that night I slept. Do you know what got me sleeping? I just thought about it and I just said, you've taken worse, God. If you if 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 you can't forgive me, you know, I can forgive this person. So the next day, 
they came to me. I was watching football in stadium. They came to me. They wanted to apologize. I'm like, oh, it's fine, actually. They didn't believe. I was literally fine, laughing, playing. They didn't believe. Like, she stayed so long trying to beg that I was like, no, it's like, genuinely, I had cleared my heart. I think I spoke to Simi and a few people that time of how hot I was, you know. And after I period, I was just like, you know what? I have to let this go. It's because I had a very quick onset realization of what I cannot do because of what Christ has done. I can't keep a grudge. Especially because of me. I know where God picked me from. Me that you are looking at pastor, pastor. If you know where I was some seven years ago, <laughs> who am I to keep a grudge? <laughs> Just what I'm saying. Now, this is what I'm talking about. That's a practical example. That's a practical example. Some of you think they gave it to me with what? There was Bible in the womb, but I was reading the Bible. <laughs> it's a lie. <laughs> God arrested me and brought me here. <laughs> Anyways, but that's what I'm talking about. A very quick onset realization. I don't know how to keep it good. I'd rather just tell you, I'll just say it. Maybe I'll tell someone who, someone else just to clear my heart and be sure it's not me that has the problem. Do you understand? And sometimes when I know I have to tell you face to face, I'll just tell you face to face and I'll just let it go. But I don't know how to keep a grudge. I even forget things. Like, I forget things that hurt me because that's how I've trained myself. Just because I've just realized that, see, I cannot do this if God has done... Listen, if you've not had such a thought, now is the time to start. If you've not thought about what I'm talking about, now is the time to start. There was a time I used to look at myself and say, who am I not to forgive you? <laughs> like, like, you think it's dramatic, but that's how I grew. That's how. I Maybe the workers can tell you. I can be upset now and I'll scold all of them on the group and the next minute I'll be laughing about something else. Because I've scolded you, it's fine. Let's move on with our lives. You've taken the correction. <laughs> There's no need for, you know, too much. Let's just... You have to learn it. Are you following me? You have to learn it. Now, I said all of that to say this. Your brothers and sisters must be considered very important to you. And I'll teach more of this in Ecclesia. And in that way, I'm introducing you to the next teaching series. We're going to talk about Ecclesia. The church family. What it means to be a part of the church family. I'm going to teach you more about this. But now I'm just going to do you know, a very little touch on it for the point I'm trying to make. The union that we have in Christ is important. It means we must love these guys as brothers and sisters. Are you following me? When you get introduced to somebody, the moment the person identifies as a believer, ah, your perspective has to change. You have to have a deeper sense of connection with that person than you have of any other person. Do you know what I said? You have to have a deeper sense of connection to them than you have of any other person get some punchlines the way they come, but they are for Ecclesia. I don't want to share them here. So that when I say it then, I will not, you will not, you will not like this again. Now, nah, just keep it so that you keep your snapping for later. <laughs> are you following me? There are two things that come with it. You must learn of your responsibility to your brothers and sisters, but you must also learn of the sacredness of that relationship. It's important. Your responsibility and what? And the sacredness. It's a union in Christ. So you must love these people with all your hearts. 
And from what we have learned, this would foster growth in any community of God's people. It would foster the expression of the supernatural. It would foster greater charismatic expressions. Are you following me? If one of us has an issue, personally, or in their family, listen, we, we must take up the charge and the responsibility to pray all night non-stop till they are better. If that's what I'm talking about. Because each person's problem becomes everybody's problem. That's how family behaves. That's the family mentality. Are you following me? That's the family mentality. We must be ready to sacrifice our life, our time, for the next person beside us. You must be. You probably want to look on the screen now and swipe and see who you've not thought you can sacrifice your life and time for. And know that. Just bring your mind to realize, I can sacrifice my life and time for you. It's important. We must take up the charge of praying for people when there is a... We must place a burden on ourselves for every other person. And I'm not even just talking about the Catholic community. I'm talking about anybody that belongs to the Church of Christ. Are you following this? But we see it's very evident in the, in the closest place you can do it. Here. We must take up the charge. We must take up the charge. The second thing I said must follow is the sacredness of that relationship. It's a sacredness. Yes. Listen, when you meet people here, I've told you before, I said, as a believer, your closest circle of friends have to be other believers. You cannot say my closest friends are this thing. Some will check. Something is wrong with your, your priorities. Are you with me? Even it's from here. But listen, there is a sacredness that must come with it. Now, as much as I trust you all, I must also understand that we are growing in a sporadic manner. And so we have many new people from time to time who are joining us and who are just growing as well. So I must emphasize the sacredness as well. It means... You must first consider everybody as brothers and sisters before anything else. Are you following me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? You must first consider them brothers and sisters before business partners. Some of you, you go to church based on the business strategy they are teaching there. Oh, they have a plan for, for business. They will invest in your business. That's why you are going to church. Mm -mm. First consider them brothers and sisters before business opportunities. Listen, if business opportunity is what is on your mind, it's not true love. You're, you're not focused yet. You don't get what we are saying yet. Treat them as brothers and sisters. For example, one of the biggest mistakes you would ever make is to see your local community first as a relationship pool. It's the biggest mistake you make in your life. So you are coming to church. Your mind is a pool of fishes. This is where we find. You know people do it. You might be laughing. Because maybe your own is not outright. But one place in your mind somebody is leading prayer. You are making side comments in the room. Ah, who is this fine? Ah, ah. In your mind is a joke. But you are doing something to your mind that is dangerous. Are you following me? You are doing something to your mind that is dangerous. I know I'm taking my... If this is the only thing I teach today, we'll do a Nazo next week. <laughs> but I know I'm taking my time. 
is dangerous. I went to check podcasts. The, one of the highest listen. One of the highest sermons with listens. Lover's Intervention. Ah! Catalysts. They listened. <laughs> listen to Lover's Intervention. Good. I love it. I love the sermon myself. I know I was very straight to the point and direct. But put your focus in the right place too. Because gradually you can enter a dangerous place and you don't know. So you are only always considering, ah, who is my match? Who is my match? Now you can't have any friend. You can't have any friend. Any friend that comes to you is a potential relationship. is a problem. You know what I'm talking about now. You're already considering. The ladies are ah, will you look good in a navy blue suit? Woo! Purple rose. Okay. <laughs> I know how these lady. ladies, they can already think of how your children will look like. They'll match your face. And <laughs> you know, they will not ask you how to, you will not ask them how to. They'll match it. Cha, cha, cha. You are still thinking, let's even make it work. But listen, as much as you are laughing, get the point. You cannot live like that. You have to keep, listen, first consider them brothers and sisters. The one time I had one idea, I'll just make everyone start calling ourselves brother, Bernard, brother, Joseph, sister, Lois, sister, Shem. So that maybe the more you say it, it will sink in your head. <laughs> maybe when we, when we, when Gozi will put you, I'll just start it. Like, brother, sister, <laughs> sister, Lois, sister, Chiamaka, sister, Zoe, Dickness, Anita. Maybe it will sink in your head. Because, that, listen, that's the first order of business. We are brothers and sisters. We are brothers and sisters. Does that mean you cannot find partners in church? No. But you've missed the point if that's the first thing on your mind. Are you getting it? It can affect your growth and it can affect the growth of the whole community as well. That's what I'm telling you. That's what I'm telling you. Some people, you get close, you know, to people of the opposite sex. Sometimes I'm scared when I say follow-up on everybody. Check up. So, because some of you, you're not doing follow-up. The only people you are extra following up on are the ones that you've seen as potential babe and, and this thing. You call back to back. How are you? How is your health? After health, you not discuss why you're not coming for fellowship. After that, you're like, ah. That's true, Seth. One day you were closing your eye in fellowship where you sleep, bro. <laughs> Stay in the right place, sis. See, um, P. Mike just said I should just do a routine check on. Oh, oh. <laughs> listen, this is important. You don't want to fall into that trap. And if you're already doing it, beware. 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 You show love. So, there's this thing that they call test and run. You, you know what I'm talking about, Abby? Um, test and check. Test and run. You do, you test. Do we match? You go to the next person. Do we match? Have you heard of, you've seen people like that? They don't know who you are with. You have been with everybody testing. So, <laughs> they are not just sure. Please, are you following what I'm saying? This is important. You have to learn. Many times, people also get into relationships prematurely. I've tried to give you guys as much space. You know, I'm not very... 
What's the word? I'm not imposing on the things you do or enforcing you. I teach you and I expect that as you learn, you understand your responsibility to be accountable about many things. But sometimes you have to learn. Don't get into relationships prematurely. Let me tell you. The fact that we met in church or the fact that you met in fellowship does not make the person right for you. Unfortunately, that's the case. And I'm not contradicting myself in the other sermon. It should be, but unfortunately, that's not the case. Because different people here are at different levels. Are you with me? That's why they say church is hospital. You will find both the ones that are great and the ones that we are still working on. So, so, so that's why it's better to talk to the leader of the community. Is this one great? Sorry, I'm laughing. Are you following me? Some people... Okay. Some people, when they want to enter the show, they don't remember anything again. They say, ah, P. Micah said you should lead prayers before. That means it's... You better don't jump. It has happened somewhere before. Not here, but somewhere else. When let's get into a relationship, I said, wait, do you know me? He said, no, now, nah, ah. He said his friends with, he mentioned the popular pastor. He said they've, they've even taken pictures together. I said, does he mean he endorses him? He said, he said, he said no, now he's, the person gave me all the reasons. I said, okay. When it did not work out, I said, now she went to talk to the big pastor that. That was it. Ah, I just know him as one of the people in church. All of them are my stars. You see, you have to be careful. You have to be careful. I believe church is a good place to find, but let you have be focused. Get to growing first, then other things will follow after. Are you with me? It becomes a problem when you are not accountable about stuff like this. Later, you want the pastor to solve the problem. We have to first learn and understand the genuine love you have. Let's see it in your love to people generally. Then we'll know you are ready for relationship type. Are you with me? Let's see your track record. That's part of what we watch. That's part of what we watch. Your track record. How have you been over the years with people? Has anybody given a testimony? Oh, thanks to Lois. Thanks to Ene. I'm better now. She checked up on me. She followed up on me. Who has given it? Those are the things we are hearing. Or rather, we need to hear about you. Listen, those are the things I watch. Scripture tells us about the criteria of being a bishop. He mentions if I watch those things. That's how I know when you are ready for more. That's how I know you are growing properly. Please, are you following me? That's how I know you are growing properly. So the sacredness is what is very important. Is very important. Some people think I have not mentioned their own too, but the fact that I don't mention your own does not mean that you shouldn't consider yourself. Don't borrow money and not pay back. Don't borrow money and not pay back. because we love you. We'll give you all the money in our account. If you want us to give, if you say borrow, pay back the money. Pay back the money. Listen, I'm saying all of this because as minute as these things are, they actually hinder the growth of a community. Do you understand what I'm saying? They hinder the growth of a community. When we begin to hear small, small rumors, thank God for the Catalyst community, but once you begin to hear small, small rumors up and down about this and that and that, something is wrong. It will hinder the growth. One person will begin to keep grudge 
Those things are bad for the growth of any church. Do you understand? Look at how fervently Paul addressed it in the church, church in Corinth. They are bad for growth. They are bad. So I want what I just said to be both instructive, but at the same time I want it to be corrective. Is that clear? As you learn about love being, you know, an important part of being expressive in charisma, you must learn also, some of you are doing it as straight by butter. It's like when we say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and every other thing will be added unto you. You will now be seeking the kingdom of God because of the every other thing. You are not getting it right. So when we say love people so that the, power, the, the charismatic will be plenty, you will not be doing it. It's, get the love. You will see it flow. Don't do it because. Don't be, uh, oh, let me just, if I do two now, I'll just go and lay hands on somebody. It's because, that's not what we're talking about. You have to get love right. Let it be genuine. Let it be genuine. Hallelujah. Let's see if we can speed through the other things we need to talk about today. Let's briefly look at the New Testament gifts of the Spirit a little more. I'll just talk about prophecy today. Maybe next week we'll talk about tongues and see if we can talk about... Maybe towards the end of the year I'll talk about healing. I'll just talk about a few gifts. Today I'll just start with, um, with prophecy and we'll just look at the New Testament and see. <clears throat> Alright, so... Gifts of the Spirit. Actually, through the scriptures, we see gifts being used for many words. And I'll just run you through some of those words. The first is anathema. A-N-A-T-H-E-M-A. Anathema. For example, in Luke chapter 21 and verse 5, it says, Then as some spoke of the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donation. Now, Anathema means, you see the word being used there, but anathema means gifts that are consecrated and laid up as sort of like an offering. So, you see gifts being used. Let me see if I can find another scripture. But I know Luke, Luke 25, 21 verse 5 rather. Was that what I said before? Alright, so Luke 5. Is everybody there? Okay, so... We see anathema, that's the first word. And anathema is usually used for gifts that are consecrated and laid up, like given as an offering. Secondly, another word that is come, that is used in scriptures um, for gifts is dorema. D-O-R-E-M-A. 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 Did you get that? Alright, so Dorema was used in two places. Romans chapter 5 and verse 16. It says, And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For judgment came from one, from one offense, resulted in condemnation. But the free gift, which is from many, many offenses, resulted in justification. So, the gift is talking about there, he, the word used for gift there is Dorema. Another place where you see Dorema being used is James chapter 1. And verse 17. So I think these were the only two places actually. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So, this time the gift that is used here is not used to refer to 
to the act of giving, but rather as the gift itself. If you notice, it says the gift is not like, so it's talking about something which was given already. Do you understand? Um, every good gift is talking about what has been given and not talking about um, the act of giving itself as like gifting. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right. Another word used for gift in the New Testament is dosis, D-O-S-I-S. Dosis, D-O-S-I-S. Now, dosis also denotes this time the act of giving. So, um, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 15, it says, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving. It says, but you only. So, it's talking about sort of like the act of giving as against the other thing. Let me just open my Bible here. So check the word giving there. That's doses. So no church communicated to me as concerning giving and receiving. So here it's used to refer to as the act that is giving a gift, right? All right. So let's go to the next word. We have Doron, D-O-R-O-N. D-O-R-O-N. So, go to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23. Everybody there? Alright. Let's read together. Okay, I'll just read because of time. Matthew chapter 5 verse 23 says, Therefore, if you bring your gifts to the altar... And there you remember that your brethren has something against you. It goes on to explain what happened. If you check Luke chapter 21 and verse 4, it says, For all these out of their abundance have put in offering for God. It says, But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. So now, if you notice something similar to both gifts and the giving that he's talking about here, it's usually used to refer to something that is given as an expression of honor. Are you with me? Sort of like money for the treasury in the temple. Or something given for the support of the poor. Are you with me? So you actually that word I think was used 18 times to refer to honor types of gifts. And then one time to refer to sacred giving. So you can understand the mindset of, of when this is used. Sort of maybe like a... I don't want to say a honorarium because that's a bit... Something like that though. Something given you know, as such. Alright? Um, Doron and and the next one I want to give are sort of similar. And the next word that, that is popularly, that is used, not popularly, but used for gifts in the New Testament is Doria. D-O-R-E-A. Doria. Doria is from the word Doron. What did you, what did I tell you that Doron is used for? Honor type of gifts, right? Exactly. Now, Doria is something similar, right? Something similar to the sacrificial giving that um, Doron is about. Just go to John chapter 4 verse 10. Let's look at how it was used. John chapter 4 verse 10. It says, Jesus answered and said to her, If you know, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So, I'll give you another text. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. 
So if you know the gift of God, that's the one in Luke. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. I'll give you some minutes to open that up. Or some seconds rather. Alright. It says, Then Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin, and you shall receive what? The gift of the Spirit. Right? We see gift being used there again. Alright. Acts chapter 8 verse 18. I'll just read because of time. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, the apostles, through the laying on of hands of the apostles, and the Holy Spirit was given, sorry, through the laying of hands of the apostles, the Holy Spirit was given. He offered them money saying, give me this power that everyone whom I lay my hands on might receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Do you see that? So we've seen it used for spirit in this part. We've seen it used, I think, the three times actually for the Holy Spirit, right? All right. Exactly. Alright, Acts chapter 10 and verse 45, I read, And those of the circumcision believed and were astonished, as many came, as many as come with Peter, because the gift of the Spirit had been poured out to the Gentiles also. So, gift of the Spirit. For if by any man's offense, Romans 5, 17, For if by any man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness would reign through the one, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3, 7. Ephesians 3, 7. It says, Of which I become a minister according to the gift of the graces of God given to me by the effective working of his power. I'll, I'll just give you the other text to go and read by yourself. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 4. Now, one thing we see similar, what this gift actually means and what it implies doria is actually a gratuity something given to somebody you know what gratuity is something given to somebody because of service but in this it's sort of like a reward for service you know but in this time you understand that by believing the people receive the spirit are you with me so it's usually used to you know refer to something that was given to certain people because of something and in all these places, we see it's being used to refer to righteousness, the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? All right, great. The next one is Merismos, M-E-R-I-S-M-O-S. And somebody is like, why are we going through all these words? It's so that you can properly, properly be able to understand through scriptures the true nature of the gifts of the Spirit. As different from the other gifts that we see and the other words used for gifts in the scripture. Alright. Merismos, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. I'm moving fast because of our time. But Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. It says, God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles, and the gift of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So now we see Merismos actually being used for gifts here. But it's a different type because Merismos doesn't actually mean the gift, but rather the distribution. So, God bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, with very with various miracles and Merismos of the Spirit. He was actually talking about distributions. A better way to see it is in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Okay, 
Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the merismos. Sorry, not merismos. That's not where merismos was used actually. To the division of soul and spirit, and the joint and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So, can someone check the Greek word for division of, of soul and spirit there? Division. Dividing asunder. That Greek word is actually merismos, yeah? Exactly. So, I think it's NKJV that gave me a different rendition. That's why I wasn't sure it was that. So, division there is actually merismos. So, merismos actually means the, the distribution and that's and it was only just for gifts in that place, but it was because he was trying to talk about the distribution of the gifts of the spirit, various miracles. Is that clear? Alright. Let's go to the next one, Doma. I think this is the second to the last one, Doma. And then we'll go to the last one and you understand why we did all of this. Doma. Doma is used at least four times in the KJV, and it's used, you know, in a general form. So look at um Philippians 4:17. It says, Now that I seek the gift. But I seek that the fruit abounds to your account. Ephesians 4, 8 to 11. Therefore, he says, when he ascends, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Right? The gift, then, it, you know, this text, he gave apostles, prophet, pastors. Yeah. Matthew 7, 11. If you then being even know how to give good gifts to your children. So, it can actually mean presence. It can mean, it was actually used generally. I was not able to categorize this in any proper pattern. But the one that is most important to us is charisma. Charisma. And charisma is the word mostly used for gift, especially gifts of the Spirit in the Bible. I think Doria is the only word that is even popularly used for gifts. Every other one might mean something else, but just in maybe one or two places they meant gift. But charisma majorly was always used to refer to as gift. And it was the Apostle Paul who popularized the word charisma and he used it every time, he, at least majority of the time he spoke about the gifts of the Spirit. For example, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 6, it says, Having then gifts diff differing according to the graces that that is given to us, let us then, sorry, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy. If, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, rather. So now, I want to explain something very simple here because I, I use this text for a reason. What's the interpretation of gifts that is used in Romans chapter 12 and verse 6, what we just read now? Are you your lexicons? Can you check it? Charisma. How about grace? So, having the gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. So, charisma is actually gotten from the word charis, and then there is now the, 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 um, the word after, which is the M-A. Now, charisma must be interpreted in the way that we interpret the Greek word, you know, charis as well. And so, what is the meaning of the word charisma? Charisma actually means favor that you receive without merit. Does that sound similar to grace? So, if it's talking about 
But this time he's talking about divine graces. Now I said all of that because I want to point you to the fact that many times you will hear people use graces to refer to spiritual gifts. Have you heard people use that before? Exactly. And that is because charisma, unlike every other gift, is used to particularly refer to spiritual endowments that you receive not because of anything you did. I mean, they are gifts of the Spirit. They are bestowments upon you. Romans chapter 5 and verse 15. It says, but the free gift is not like the offense. Actually, this text will not help you understand it. So let me give you, let me give you, this talks about grace. But let me give you a clearer one. Romans eleven twenty nine. It says, For the gift and the calling of God are what? Are irrevocable. It's talking about the graces. But it's also talking about spiritual gifts. So it's used for power, endowments upon a believer by the Spirit. So the idea is that God has given us unmerited, undeserved gifts and those are the charisma are you following undeserved gifts those are the charisma and so having these gifts they differ in their distributions but the most important part about these gifts is that they are undeserved please is this clear now that's the difference between charisma and every other gift and that's why paul popularly used it to refer to the gifts of the spirit so now that we understand the word charisma does everybody get the explanation it's undeserving. That's why we can call it graces as well. Because as divine grace is when it comes to salvation, spiritual gifts as well are undeserved. They are not things you did anything to get to. This must change your, your mind and the way you think about spiritual gifts. It's charisma. It's a grace. It's a bestowment, not because of something you can do. It's a bestowment because you have the Holy Ghost. Now, the same way certain things we see in the Old Testament are different in the New Testament, I'll just give a brief explanation as well on the nature of the gifts in the New Testament. So, what's the nature of charisma in the New Testament? Because many times you might actually be functioning in some gifts and you would not know. I remember when I was in the university, I didn't know so much about spiritual gifts, but I just knew that sometimes when I'm about to teach, I'll just get a strong urge about somebody and I'll say, hey, you over there. It was so funny that my friends started making a joke about me. And everybody was like, hey, you over there. It was not because I would just be in front of them. Hey, you. The Lord said, I did not know that that was what was called word of knowledge. Are you with me? I didn't know what it was called. I didn't know the nature of his working. And so it's important that you learn it and you understand it as well. Are you with me? So, to my, to my understanding at that time, I just knew that, oh, the Holy Spirit can lead me to do things. But I didn't know what the Bible said about them. So, I'll just speak briefly about prophecy. And then, like I said, next week we'll talk about tongues and we'll talk about every other thing. Right? Alright. So, the New Testament counterparts of prophets, I've said this before and I'm, I'm sure you can remember. What did I say the New Testament counterpart of prophets are? I told you that there, there are some people who are the, count, the counterpart of, of the word prophets in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. Who are they? Apostles. I said the New Testament counterparts of prophets in the Old Testament is apostles in the New Testament. And I've said it before. And I think this will help you understand the nature of prophecy in the New Testament. Are you following me? 
I know a lot of people would have had questions about it. What does this gift mean? What does that gift mean? First of all, the most important thing to understand is that the fact that he listed those few does not mean it is limited to those few. Are you with me? Any ability that is what? What did I tell you the definition of spiritual gifts is? Any ability that is what? Empowered by the Spirit and used for the ministry of the church. Are you with me? So it's not limited to this. As long as it's something that was empowered by the Spirit and used for the ministry of the church, it's called a spiritual gift. Are you with me? Alright, let's go on. So, prophets in the Old Testament were a bit different. I don't know if you've noticed. They were able to speak certain things and write certain things that were regarded as having absolute authority. Are you following me? They were regarded with, with absolute authority to the extent that their words could be recorded in scripture and we could live by it. So, their words constitute scripture today. And therefore, to believe or to disobey a prophet or a prophet's word in the Old Testament was to disbelieve and disobey God. Is that true? But it's a different case in the New Testament. Have you noticed? Because there are also people who spoke and who wrote God's words and have them, and we recorded those words and we take them as scripture. But what we realize is that the Bible doesn't call them prophets anymore. A new word was used. They were called apostles. Are you following what I'm saying? Because we don't see prophets as a book. Is there a book of, the, of a prophet in the New Testament? No. But we see apostles. This has to affect your understanding of the, of the gift of prophecy generally in the New Testament. Because prophets in the New Testament now are not people who spoke the exact word of God with the ultimate authority. And when I say ultimate authority, I'm not trying to say the other things, the other people who are not in that regard are not hearing from God. I'm talking about things that can be considered scripture. So when I say ultimate authority, I'm saying things that can be considered scripture. Are you following me? Good. So, but prophets in the New Testament, like I was saying, we're not people who were saying the exact word of God word for word that we can take their words as scriptures, but rather it was used to refer to people who spoke under the influence of the Spirit. Please, are you following me? Why is this? The gifts have become common. Do you remember? The gifts have become common. So though before only some people had the gifts, they were the secluded people called prophets. But now it is possible for every New Testament believer to be called a prophet. Do you get it? Why? He has the Holy Ghost. Please, is this clear to you? Are you following what I'm saying? So there's a seclusion now. There's a separation now. Everybody can hear God, but not everybody's word is going to be recorded as scripture. The people whose words are going to be recorded as scriptures are the apostles. Are you following this? We still see in the New Testament where there are some texts, you know, where um, the Bible uses prophets for people in the context of exact words and prophecy in the context of how it was taken in the Old Testament, but just in a, in, in a few places. And it's usually when they are referencing something. Are you with me? Because now it's different. I'll give you an example of someone who was called a prophet in the New Testament. And then I'll give you an example of general prophecy in the New Testament. Acts chapter 21 and verse 3. It says, when 
we had sighted Cyprus. We passed it on the left, sailed to Syria, and landed at Tar. For there was a ship. Sorry, for there the ship was to unload her cargo. And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. It says they told Paul to go. They told Paul through the Spirit not to go up into Jerusalem. So everybody had the Spirit now. They could tell Paul something. Question: What they were telling God was it? The, what they were telling Paul was it the will of God? Yes. But what happened? It was the will of God. It said through the Spirit. So we have to consider it's what God communicated to the people to tell Paul, right? But what happened? Paul did not go. He disobeyed it. If it was in the Old Testament that this happened, and they told Paul through the Spirit, would he have disobeyed? Would he have dared disobeyed it? Does it mean these guys did not hear God? No. They did hear God. They did hear God. But this is the situation that the New Testament church has come to. Every one of us has the Spirit. And yes, the words of every single person might not be carried with the authority of Scripture, but we must also believe that it's from God. Are you getting it? And so, for example, we take... You are not getting it. (laughs) You would understand. Let's take Agabus, for example. Acts chapter 21, verse 10. It will get clearer. Acts chapter 21, verse 10. You know the story of Agabus. I'll not read everything. I'll just give you the explanation, but I'll just read a part. It says, And we stayed many days, and a certain prophet named Agabus, so now Agabus is a prophet, he came down from Judea, and when we had come, he took Paul's belt and bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man whose own belt, with, with his own belt, and deliver him to the hands of the Gentiles. So Agabus is prophesying that Paul will be bound with his own belt, right? By the Jews, and delivered to the hands of the Gentiles. So, he prophesied this in Acts chapter 21 and verse 10. But later on, when we see what happened, that was not how it happened. Because the Jews gathered, and rather than delivering him voluntarily to the hands of the Gentiles, they were going to kill him. And if the, the soldiers did not intervene, they would have killed him. Look at verse 29. Let's read it together. You start from, just start from 30. Yeah, 30 to 33. Okay. It says, And all the city was moved, and people ran together, and they took Paul and drew him out of the temple, and forthwith the doors were shut. And as they went about to kill him, tiding came unto the chief captain of the band, that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. In 32 he says, Who immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down unto them. And when they saw the chief captain and the soldiers, they left beating of Paul. And then the chief captain came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains and demanded who he was and what he had done. So, we look, now we see how this story happened. Was that how Agabus prophesied that it would happen? No. Was Agabus lying? No. Was he a true prophet? Yes, listen, the prediction was not far off, but we see some little inaccuracies. In the Old Testament, if this had happened, we would have called to question the validity of the whole message. But in the New Testament now, the Spirit is common to all. What we regard prophecy now isn't the exactness. Yes, it will be exact though, listen to me. But we are not talking about what must be set in stone. 
stone as the authority of God, the kind of things we consider scripture. We also take it at, at, at some authority, but this time there's a different dispensation. And I'll teach you, I'll show you what I mean. It's not to be taken as scripture, it's common to everybody. A person can speak. But now the Lord gives a person a revolution, a, a revelation, and by the volition of his own, of his own, by his capacity, by his own words, and by his own mind, he can now interpret those words to English. Is it clear? So this time is is left at the disposition of the person's ability to also interpret. Are you getting what I'm saying? This is what is happening because the gifts are common. I'll show you more. Because listen, the apostles actually prepared us for this. I wish I could read the rest of the text for you, but because of time, I will not. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19, actually 20, it says, Do not despise prophecy. Test all things and hold fast what is good. In the Old Testament, was there testing? No. So now, we are seeing a different approach that the New Testament is taking to prophecy. It says, test all things. 1 Corinthians 14, 28. If there is no interpreter, let anyone who is talking keep silent. Let him speak to himself and God. In 29, it says, let two or three prophets speak and let the other judge. The situation has changed now because everybody has the spirit. So when prophecy comes, we can confirm. Are you getting it now? We can confirm because every one of us has the spirit. I'm trying to lead you from where we were in the Old Testament to where we are now in the New Testament. Are you getting it? So now, prophecy will be given to you. But unlike the Old Testament, we might not take it as, and we would not take it as the authority of Scripture. Are you with me? But rather, we can test and confirm. Listen, I believe strongly that that's why the apostles started to prepare us turning us to scriptures every time. So prophecies are serious and they are words from God, but they are inter interpreted by the mind of the believer. You can get a revelation and report it as prophecy. But now we, we, we can regulate because the gifts are, you know, it's available to everybody. Everybody can hear. But now, you know, I think that's very important why Paul would tell Timothy, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. Why? In regulation, we must now go back to scriptures. So we confirm words that we get of revelation through scriptures and through other believers. That's the nature of prophecy in the New Testament. Are you following this? We must regulate. That's how we must approach it now. So if someone comes to tell you, oh, I have a prophecy for you. The Lord says, pack your load. Sell all your properties. And then go and start from the beginning. I will ask you. <laughs> you are sure the Lord says, say yes. Okay. I will go ask other believers. That's what we are not understanding about the nature of the New Testament. That everybody has the spirit means that everybody can talk. But not just that, everybody can confirm. Don't always take the everybody can talk alone. Remember that everybody can confirm too. Are you with me? Everybody can confirm. I'm sure the guys in the Old Testament were left with the with the problem like, okay, now since everybody can talk, what we what would we do? That's probably what the problem was with the church in Corinth. Everybody can they get word? I have a word. I have a word. I have a word. But now there has to be a regulation. We have to regulate. How do we regulate? 
there has to be confirmation. This is a safe way to deal with prophecy. I wish I can spend time talking about all the gifts as detailed as I'm talking about this. I'll try. I don't know all about these ones that were listed. All, listen, we ha- there has to be regulation. We have to regulate. We have to regulate. We have to regulate properly. If someone tells you you should leave your husband, calm down. I might talk about real life challenges or not. One of the ways I knew, uh, you know, I was telling someone, I'm like, there's some ways, there's some things I see that I know that I've trained some people very well. So one of my daughters here one time got a word for somebody and the word she got was literally that the person should break up with the boyfriend. But there is, see, there is a dynamic to prophecy in the New Testament that respects spiritual authority as well. Are you with me? So, for regulation's sake, she did not say it. She came to me. She said, ah, sir, this is what I heard though. Do you get what I'm saying? This is what I heard. And now, I can confirm and say, okay, say, or rather, why? Because now, certain things must go with certain things. For example, word of, word of knowledge can must go with word of wisdom too. Because if you say some things, they have to be backed up by certain wisdom now. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, you don't just go and say some. What if what God was trying to tell you was something else? Remember, Revelation comes, but there's an interpretation that comes forth with it. You've seen many times someone say something here, and when I hear it, I know he's talking about something else. We can confirm. So seek and look for confirmation. Number one. Number two, if what you are saying is outside of scriptures, ah, we will check. Hey, bros, are you sure? Are you sure you heard? Listen, someone can get accurate word and back it up with the wrong scripture. Do you know? Have you heard this? have you seen it before? That's because it is is because the revelation came, but through his own ability, he's trying to communicate what he heard. Are you getting it? So this is important. This is important. We have to go. We have to go by the word. We have to make sure that there is confirmation. This is the nature of prophecy in the New Testament. We can prophesy, but would also confirm. Are you with me? We can speak with tongues. Someone would interpret. There has to be regulation. That's the nature. So when you think of any gift, just think that, yes, we can all speak, but we can all confirm. Think about it like this. If I can get it, it means other people too can get it and confirm from me. Are you with me? You know, I think I agree with many people who say that, you know, the interpretation of prophecy is also tongue because it's hidden knowledge that is made available. Do you understand? That the interpretation of tongues rather is prophecy because hidden knowledge is made available as well. So it's a word from God that you speak with your mouth. Is this clear? So that's prophecy and that's the nature of prophecy in the New Testament. Seek confirmation. Seek confirmation. Before you sell all your property, seek confirmation. Seek. My pastor said something one time. People were doing this. If you tell us tomorrow that God said you should go ask for track record in your life too. We do, it's not like we don't trust your spirit. We trust <laughs> that you have the Holy Spirit. But let's see how that track. God said you should start a church. Tell us one other time that God has told you to start something. And you, do you understand? And it, you understand? So we'll be sure. Let's see the pattern. From the little leadings, we see the bigger leadings. Is that clear? Follow God in the little. That's how prophecy works. That's how it works. Hallelujah. Let's stop here. We'll continue next week. All right, let's pray. Father.